A few weeks ago, my boys were off of school for fall break. They're in a year-round school. Uh, and so we took a few days to go away as a family up to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And we went to Dollywood and rode roller coasters. And uh, I hadn't been up there since it was called Silver Dollar City when I was a kid. Remember, that's a long time ago. And uh, so Pigeon Forge is kind of like Myrtle Beach without the beach. Uh, they got all these things to do, all these like miniature golf and shops and video arcades. So we had a really good time. And well, we found this one video arcade uh, where they had like old school games. This is a picture of me playing uh, my favorite game, uh, Galaga. Well, that's actually not Galaga. <laughs> we can, there I am playing Galaga up on this huge screen uh, and just having a good time. And so the boys also like to play those games like skee-ball where you roll the ball into the holes and these other things where you win like these little tickets. You ever seen those at carnival games, all that kind of stuff? And so at the end, they love taking those tickets and they go up to the counter and they pick out the prizes that they want. And this is one of the prizes that Nathan picked out. Out. Uh, yeah, vampire teeth, all right, glow-in-the-dark yellow vampire teeth uh, that he got ahead of Halloween, and so he's been having a lot of fun running around the house with that. Now, of course, when you're up there and doing all this kind of stuff, as parents, you discover that there are hidden costs involved in all of this, right? So we go to the arcade, we get all these quarters, and we go out, and so, it, you know, the amount of money that we spent on those teeth, we probably could have bought 100 pairs of those teeth if you just got them somewhere online, you know, but it's the fun of playing the game, and so there's that hidden cost, uh, and then the hidden cost of driving home with Nathan in the teeth, uh, all we heard on the way back home from the back seat was... Because if you wear those teeth, you get your spit stuck in the teeth, and then you have to suck it down, right? And so, like, they, oh, you know, finally, like, Nathan, take the teeth out, right? It's like a four-hour trip, whatever, you know, so uh, hidden cost, hidden cost. Last week, we talked about um, our community and how over 60% of our community is not involved in a faith community. And how that breaks our hearts and how we want to reach people for Jesus. And uh, speaking of cost and hidden costs, one of the top reasons that people don't want to connect in a church is because they say the churches are focused too much on money. Right? In fact, people who are outside the church who, uh, who say, list the reasons for why they're not in church, right? The number two reason is that churches focus too much on money. And people who used to be in the church but have left the church say the number four reason is that people in the church are focused too much on money and that's heartbreaking and I just I wanted to spend some time today really examining that do we focus too much on money if we do focus on money why do we do that and what does God want to teach us about money in the Bible do we focus too much on money I do think some churches do I think some churches focus way too much on money. I think some churches are greedy. I think some pastors are greedy. We see people who are caught up in scandals, of embezzling, uh, and it just gives the church and Jesus a really bad name, and that's not what we aspire to here at South Park Church. So how do we approach that subject? What, what is our goal? What do, what do we think about that? If, if you come to our church every Sunday, you'll hear whoever's doing the announcements, like Pastor Lindsay and Chris this morning, say that we do believe in generosity. It's one of our top three values. And if you'd like to support the ministries of the church, you can do that. And so we tell you how to do that. And so some might say that's too much of a focus. Others might say it, it's not. I was looking back over um, the sermons that we've preached this year, and I, I counted. We've, this is our 44th Sunday of the year. Can you believe that? 
Right? Time is flying by. Pretty soon it's going to be Christmas, right? 44 Sundays. And I look back at all of our sermon topics for the last 44 weeks. And today is the first sermon that's going to focus on money. Right? You're like, wow, of all 44 Sundays I chose to come to church. It's today great. That's great. If one out of 44 is too much focus on money, maybe we need to think about that. Why do we even talk about money? Well, for us as leaders of the church, it's, it's this reason. In the Bible, Jesus talked about money more than anything else with the exception of the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke about money more than any other subject with the exception of the kingdom of God. So when you, you list Jesus' top 10 list of things that he talked about, money was number two. Why did Jesus talk so much about money? Because he doesn't need money, right? He's God. He can get whatever he wants. You just have to snap his fingers, right? To think about it, right? Jesus doesn't need it. He, he was on, on earth. He didn't live a rich lifestyle, right? He was more of a poor, humble kind of guy. So why does Jesus talk about money? That's what I'd like to us to explore together today and, and let you make your own decisions, right? Draw your own conclusions. Let's see what the scripture says to us about money. Because money, if you think about it, it's not good or bad. It's not good or evil. It's neutral. It's a resource. It's what we choose to do with it that kind of defines us, right? Money has great, great role to play, right? Money helps us, right, take care of our families. We have a roof over our heads. We have food on the table. We have clothes on our back, right? We have necessities of life. It helps us get medical care and have health insurance and things like that, to have transportation to get around, to, to have access to the internet because many of us need the internet to do business or to live our lives, right? So money plays a great role. It gives us a chance to get educated. It gives us a chance to, to take care of, again, our folks and people and that sort of thing. So it plays a role. It allows us to have fun, right? I couldn't go to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee without money to take my kids to, to kind of celebrate a break from school, that sort of thing. So there are good things that money does. It also allows us to be generous, right? To help other people out, to, to feed people who are hungry, to, to buy clothes for people who don't have clothes. And so money allows us to do really good things, not just for ourselves, but for others around us. And so money can be a great resource if we choose to use it in godly ways. Uh, and so we're grateful that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. So that's a very positive thing, right? But I also think that Jesus talked a lot about money because he knew that if we're not careful, right, we can get into trouble with our desire for money and things. All right, let's look into the scripture today. We're going to be in 1 Timothy in the New Testament, and, and this is what uh, God teaches us through Timothy. But godliness with contentment is great gain, right? Talking about being content with the things that we have in our lives. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. That's absolutely true. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that, right? Talking about what do we need in life versus what do we want in life, right? There's two different things there. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, right? We're tempted by things in life, right? We're tempted in our lives. Now, this verse gets misquoted a lot, right? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils, right? For the love of money can be a root of all kinds of evil, right? Some people, not all people, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith 
and pierce themselves with many griefs, right? And so God's saying, right, the love of money can get us into trouble. Not necessarily that it will, not necessarily it will do it for all of us, but it provides temptation that can cause us to pierce ourselves with many griefs, right? And you think about that in your life. I think about it, if I think about it in, in the lives of people that I know, and sometimes chasing after money and chasing after stuff can get us into trouble, right? Some of us chase after money, we chase after things, and we do things that are unethical or illegal to gain that money or to gain those things in our lives. And so we put ourselves and our families at risk, as well as other people, by doing things that we shouldn't do uh, to get stuff and to get money. So, so that's a challenge. I've also known people who you know, say, I want to provide for my family. I want to give them the very best of life. Uh, and I think that's a great thing. It's a great you know, goal to have. But I've seen them also pour themselves so much into chasing after the good life, like they're working 100 hour weeks, they're always away, that even when they're successful with money and stuff, they're never around to have time to spend with the people that they're doing all of this for. And they miss the point, right? And these relationships suffer and families fall apart. Uh, and so sometimes when in trying to do the right thing, we end up actually hurting the people that we're trying to help. Have you seen that in your life? Have you experienced that in your life? I think also sometimes when we're chasing after money, we're chasing after stuff, sometimes we can become selfish and we can hoard that stuff. And we can have more than we need when other people in our community, in our world, don't have anything at all. And that's a challenge of getting more and more stuff. Jesus talks about this in Luke's gospel. Check this out. He says, From everyone who's been given much, much more will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Right? So those of us who find ourselves with more resources, are we hoarding that for ourselves or are we using that to help other people? Because we're going to have to answer to God for that one day. Right? And so the Bible's challenging us to be thinking about when we meet God, what are we going to be saying to God about how are we using the resources that, that we've been given? I think another trap of money, maybe, is to say that sometimes... It, that the, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of things can actually leave us enslaved. Right? How many people in our world, how many people in this room, how many people watching online have debt, right? Credit card debt, mortgage debt, automobile debt, college debt, just mounds of debt that we feel like we can't get out of. Right? I've been there. I know what that feels like. And it feels like we are enslaved to paying this debt. We're so in debt that we can't live the rest of our lives. I was talking to somebody today who was thinking about moving to a different location in the country where the, the cost of standard of living is so high. So the, the average mortgage there is a 50-year mortgage. I never even heard of that. You are a slave to debt if you have a 50-year mortgage, right? And so right, we get all this stuff and we become enslaved to debt, right? And then, like, when we get all this stuff we got to take care of it. We have to store it. Every day that I drive into work, there's this huge mini warehouse place being built. It's like a monument, right? Because we run out of places in our house and we have to put the stuff somewhere else. When I had my motorcycle, my Harley-Davidson motorcycle, which I showed you guys a picture of a few weeks ago, and some of you thought that was Photoshopped. I really was cool at some point. I had to pay for the motorcycle, had to pay to have it maintained, had to have it insured, I had to put more chrome on it, accessorize it, get all right. Pretty soon, like a hobby gets way out of hand and you're spending lots and lots of money and you're sinking yourself into debt, right? So we can become enslaved to things in our lives. I think Jesus is saying, be careful 
Don't get, don't get trapped like that. This is what he says in Matthew's gospel. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and vermin destroy, but where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is saying sometimes we become enslaved to money, we become enslaved to debt because they become our gods and we worship them more than we worship God. And Jesus says, where your stuff is, that's where your heart is, right? So if you want to know what you love in life, I think the best place to look is how am I spending my time and how am I spending my money? That says a lot about what we love in our lives. How do we spend our time? How do we spend our money? And so in scripture, it encourages us to give money to God, not because God needs it, but because we need to say, God, you're first in my life. And if you're first in my life, you get the first of everything. You get the first of my time. You get the first of my attention. You get the first of my heart. You also get the first of my financial resources. God, you don't need it, but I need to give to you to show you that you're number one in my life, right? And stuff and money is not. And so in the Bible, it encourages us to give sacrificially to God, to give something that we will miss, to say, God, you're first in our lives. Use it, God, to, to do wonderful things for people in the world through ministry. But by me giving it to you, it says you're number one in my life, and I trust you. And I, I, in fact, all that I have is really yours, God, and so I'm giving you a portion of that back, right? I'm to take care of your money, and so part of that goes back to you. And by the way, God, I trust you that you're going to take care of me. If I give you this sacrifice and I budget wisely, that you'll take care of me and I'll have everything that I need, right? That's, that's the idea of giving to God financially. Um, what's a sacrificial gift? That's different for you. It's different for me. A lot of times in the Bible, 10% comes up, right? Because 10% of your income is usually a sacrifice for all of us, but it's not a hard and fast rule, right? And so that's between you and God. Right? We don't pass an offering plate. We don't say, hey, I didn't see Chris put any money in the plate today, right? That's between you and God. Right? And so these are traps, I think, that God says we got to be careful for, with. Um, but when we do give to God, we also get to do some really cool things. We bring our money together and we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And we do ministry that helps people, right? We feed hungry people. We help children get educated. We, we teach people about Jesus and the power of the gospel in their lives. And so when we come together and do ministry, great things happen. Let's go back to the Bible. In the very first uh, church, right? The first Christians in the, in the world in the first century in the book of Acts, this is what they did. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of the possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. It's all God's. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. How's that for a vision? No needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, right? To those who'd been given much, much as expected. Brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Right? So the apostles, the early apostles, right, they determined, right, we're in this together. When we, we give to God together, we're going to take care of everybody. Now, I'm not standing here advocating for socialism or communism or anything like that. I'm just saying that when we come together as Christians and we, bring, and we pool our money and give it to God together, we can do more together than we can by ourselves, and we become part of something bigger than who we are. 
right? And we change the world. We change our community because we are giving to each other and we're feeding the hungry and we're educating children and we're talking about Jesus and we're showing the love of Jesus through the ministries of this church. So I want to spend some time this morning just talking about, all right, when you give to the church, where does that money go? What do we do with that? Like what, what does South Park Church do with the money and the funds that, that people give to the congregation to make a difference in the world? So I want to share with you what our budget looks like, okay? So this is, this is what our budget looks like for this year, right? We have $885,000 budgeted for our ministry budget, right? To do ministry in our community, right? To feed the hungry, uh, to do uh, children's ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, to, to work with the children at Pinewood, to help refugees here in Charlotte. All the great things that we do for ministry, right? Even pay the utility so you can sit in this room or watch us online today, right? Comes from that $885,000, which we're, we're used to this kind of a number over the past several years is what it takes to, to do ministry here. Now that we're in a new campus, we have two other budget items that we have. The middle one is called the association. This is like a, a homeowner's association, right? We're on this property and we're living with other people around us. And in our building is the church. Uh, there are commercial space that we own and there's commercial retail space that our partners, Children's Client Properties own. And so the association, right, takes care of the common areas in our building uh, and also saves up money to give to the common area maintenance for all of this development, the seven acres that we're in. It's kind of like a homeowner association, right? Paying the homeowners dues to take care of the things that are around us. Does that make sense? That's kind of what we have. And then we have an LLC, a legal entity that handles uh, the loan that we have to build this building uh, and, to, and to handle the lease income uh, from our tenants who are in our building. And so that, that's kind of a pass-through, right? So... That's $400,000, that includes uh, what we owe on the mortgage and what we paid to upfit the space for our tenants to live there, right? And so the cool thing about the $400,000 thing is that when we have all of our tenants in place, that that lease, right, those leases pay for the mortgage of the building, right? So that the money that comes from the church, we make sure goes to, to ministry, right? And so that's the ideal setup. But the challenging thing that we really need to pray about is we have one tenant and we need three. Right? And so uh, we've, we, pay, we contract with Children's Klein to help us fill that space. COVID has really slowed the market down. And so we have one tenant, we need three, and our mortgage payments are now fully kicked in. And so we're having to pay that without the benefit of the full tenants. And so if you just add that to your prayer list, we believe God's going to bring the right people to us at the right time. Uh, and that's going on. So basically, when we're all full, right, the tenants are paying for the mortgage, so we're paying for our ministry. Uh, when we pay the mortgage off, all that money that comes in will feed directly into ministry, right? So that's a great long-term vision that we have. Um, so our total debt right now is about $3.8 million on a mortgage, which again is fueled by our leasing. Uh, when we get our tenants in the other two spaces, that'll jump to about four and a half million dollars because we pay for the upfit of their space so that they can come in and it'll look nice and neat for them. Um, and so if things continue as they are right now, we anticipate an operating budget deficit of $50,000 at the end of the year. It's not ideal, but we can handle that, right? Uh, next year, if we keep operating and nothing changes, we're looking at a $300,000 deficit and that's without those tenants, right? So we pray for those tenants, 
right? If we get those tenants in, then our model's really gonna click like we planned it to, right? COVID just kind of slowed it down, right? Why am I telling you this? Right, it costs money to do ministry in the world. So we wanna be transparent, right? A lot of churches aren't transparent. Supposedly, we wanna be transparent with this. So this is kind of where we are and what we're doing. So what are our sources of, of income? This is, these are the things that make ministry possible here at South Park Church, if we can jump to that. Uh, you're giving, right? You are so generous. Right, giving to that operating budget right, is just so incredible. And Pastor Lindsay and Chris mentioned, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll have an opportunity to make our commitment for next year. This just helps us plan, right? As we think about now what? What are we going to do in ministry? It helps us to know what income we can expect so we can budget for that, right? If we have more, then we can do more. If we have less, then we adjust and do less. It just helps us understand what we can expect. So your generosity through the pandemic and all that, it's just been incredible. And we are so grateful for all that you've been able to do. Um, we're leasing our commercial space, talked about that. We have one full, we have two slots to, to go. Um, we have signage, right? We have this digital sign that's out here. We have some static, like old billboard type stop, uh, signs on our building. That's extra revenue to help us be able to pay our bills. And so that's a great thing that we did as, as a stewardship thing when we moved into the new campus. Uh, we also rent our space that we own sometimes, like uh, for weddings and other things or outside groups to come in, like uh, businesses to meet here. So that helps us as well. Uh, we have a capital reserve fund that's kind of put away, it's invested. Uh, and that money is for the future care of the building, right? So we can't really use much of that for our day-to-day -day operations, but the future of the building, like when the HVAC systems break down, that sort of thing, that's where that's gonna come from. So this is how we, how we do things. Some of you have asked, well, when are we gonna finish out the rest of the building, right? We, we finished out about half of our building. Uh, and so when, what's coming next and when's that gonna happen? And so let me just show you what's coming and what the approximate costs are and just let you know where we are. Uh, we have a performing arts space. It's gonna seat 700 people where we can also do worship and do our meals and fellowship things, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's gonna cost right now approximately, right? you know how the market is, about three and a half million dollars. Um, our third floor is unfinished. That's where our offices are gonna go, adult classrooms, six, seven classrooms, a boardroom, all those sorts of things. Uh, that's, that's gonna be about $1.25 million. Uh, we're gonna have a commercial grade kitchen that goes with the Performing Arts Center, that's 600,000. And then we're gonna have a music suite on the first floor uh, for both styles of, of music. And that's about $500,000, about almost $6 million total, right? That's future, right? That's, so when do we get to do that? There's some operative things. Let's see the next slide, Debbie. Uh, first of all, we have to be fully leased, right? Have to have those tenants fully leased downstairs. We either need to pay down or pay off our current mortgage before the bank would loan us more money. Unless we doubled in our, our size as a church with, and, and people giving, uh, they might consider giving us more money for loans. Or we would have donors to say, you know what, I'd love to have that music suite sooner than possible. I can make that happen. Or Performing Arts Center, same kind of thing, right? So this is a glimpse into the future because I know many of you are curious about that and have asked about that. Again, wanna be transparent in where the money goes at, at our church. Uh, and getting back to Jesus, I think one other thing that he really talks about money a lot about is because again, he wants us to warn us that I think sometimes that we can fool ourselves and think the more that we buy or the stuff that we get, right, is gonna make us completely happy with life. And buying stuff can make you happy. And, and like, I have fun going on trips and I had fun having motorcycle, right? The, there's things in life that, that bring us joy and contentment, but I've discovered that that's really more kind of a temporary kind of thing, right? 
we get something, we like it for a while, and then it loses its luster, and we're wanting something else, right? It's just this never-ending cycle of there's never, we can't get enough, right? But the last two weeks we've talked about, you know, the secret of life. Jesus said it boils down to two things, that we love God and we love people. That's what life's about. It's about relationships, right? And so when we're seeking that, when we're seeking to love God and love people, that's where we find true contentment. That's where we find true meaning. That's where we find life to the full rather than life to the empty. When we just keep looking for meaning and stuff, it's always gonna leave us empty and wanting more. But when we have relationships with God and other people, it's where we find true contentment and true joy, right? And we remember that Jesus is worth being in a relationship with because he paid the ultimate price, right? He died for us on a cross so that we could be in a right relationship with God. And he did that to take away our guilt and our shame and our death and our hell and our brokenness so that we could live life to the full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus paid the ultimate price, right? Let's look at this from Paul in 1 Corinthians where he says, you were bought with the price, right? You were saved from hell, you were saved from death, you're saved from sin, you're saved from guilt, you're saved from shame because Jesus paid the ultimate price. He gave his life, right? Therefore glorify God in your body. Paul's writing to the Corinthians talking about a sexual scandal. He's like, right, you were, paid, you were bought with a price, right? Honor God with your bodies. I think the same thing is true, right? We were bought with a price, honor God with the way that we spend the money that God has given us, right? How do we honor God with the way that we use our resources so that we don't become enslaved to things that get us into trouble? So what? What's the point today? What's the takeaway? What's the big idea? Well, how do we talk about money in church? I think it comes down to this, right? Jesus paid the ultimate price to set us free from guilt and shame and death and hell and sin for life to the full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven. Don't let yourself be enslaved. Don't let yourself be enslaved to guilt or shame. Don't let yourself be enslaved to the the love of money or the pursuit of stuff that's just gonna mount up debt and leave us feeling empty, right? Jesus doesn't want us to be enslaved to anything, right? So I invite you this week to do a couple of things, right? An action step. The first would be is just to ask yourself some questions and pray about this, right? Based on your spending, right? What do you love the most, right? People look at your checkbook or your bank statements. What do you love the most, right? What we spend our money on tells us what we love the most, right? What do you serve? To what are you enslaved, right? Are we enslaved to debt? Are we enslaved to all kinds of things? Or right? do, do we make sacrificial gifts to, to serve and love God? And the other thing I'd ask you to do is prayerfully consider right, making a sacrificial gift to God, right? What does it look like to give to God sacrificially? Say, God, all that I have is yours. I wanna give back to you, right? I want you to take this and use this to further your ministry in the world, right? What does that look like for you? What was a sacrificial gift look like for you in your life to consider that? Because um, I think that's what Jesus is, would, would have us to do in my own life, right? Uh, I've gone through ups and downs with money. I've gone through ups and downs with debt, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, again, stuff, can be fun, it can be exciting, we can go on vacations, it can do ride motorcycles, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, everything that I've ever had, right, it, it, it's always left me itching for more, right? It just, it hasn't given me that ultimate sense of contentment or fulfillment. But the things that I'm most excited about in my life are the relationships. A loving relationship with Jesus, a loving relationship with my family, my friends, with all of you, our church family, right? That's what brings me joy. And those are the things that I think God calls us to focus on and to dig into and to invest in. 
And so when I'm able to join you and to pool our money together to help other people who are hurting in the world, that brings me much joy. And that's one of the reasons that, that I tithe, right? Off what you pay me, right? My family, we tithe, we give back to God because we believe in surrendering that to Jesus. So I found this last scripture to be true in my life. Where Paul says, 2 Corinthians, each of you should give what you've decided to give in your heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. We're not gonna twist your arm. We're not gonna ask you what you make and what percentage you're giving, right? That's, that's, why, that's what it's all about. We give to God because it brings us joy. And I found that to be true in my life. We give to God because it brings us joy and God always provides for me what I need. Not necessarily everything that I want, right? I got a long want list, but that want list is not the secret to life to the full. So brothers and sisters, just don't let yourselves be trapped or enslaved. Give to God joyfully because God has been so good to us. May you find the joy of giving that Jesus talks about. That is why we talk about money in church. And may God just work on your hearts and lead you to what God wants you to do. Let's pray about that together. Gracious and ever-loving God, I thank you for this congregation who's been brave enough to sit in through this entire message, those in person or those watching online, because it's not easy to talk about money. It's a very personal thing, God. Uh, and we know, Lord, it's just a neutral thing. It can be good, it can be bad. And God, we all probably in our lives have done good things with money that makes us feel good. And we've seen a difference that we've made. And God, we probably all know that we've made mistakes with money and stuff. And it's left us wanting more. It's left us empty, God. It's left us uh, under the slavery of debt. And so God, today, just help us to hear what it is that you have to say to us about money. What what do we love most in our lives? What do we spend our time and our money on, God? And are those are the right things that you want for us now. Feel trapped in debt, Lord, that we would seek help for that. Um, God, that folks would come talk to me or Pastor Lindsay, and we'd help them find some help with this, Lord, that we don't have to be shoulder, shouldering all this debt that lays us, weighs us down in life, God. Help us to find what it is that you want us to do with the money and the resources that you've given to us that will bring you joy, God, and will bring us joy in giving it to you. Thank you, God, for this great challenge, these great words of wisdom. May we apply them to our lives. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray, amen.